I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Hey folks, Dr. Joe Esposito here. First of all, thank you for joining me again this week. I really appreciate that. This week, our topic is going to be exercise. Some of you want to work out. Some of you do work out. Some people can't work out. Maybe they have a pain issue or they have a, a muscle spasm issue or a paralysis issue. We're going to cover these topics today because I want you getting the best bang for your buck. And you're going to be surprised. Some of the things we're going to talk about right out, right out of the gate, we're going to talk about you may need to exercise less to get better benefits, which is kind of cool. So less can be more. Research shows finding your health benefits by exercise, uh, by exercising, you want to find what we call the Goldilocks zone. Now, one of the biggest hurdles people face in maintaining an exercise program is finding the time to do it. So we're going to talk about little things you can incorporate into your life every single day to get the benefits. Modern exercise research shows that you can significantly reduce your workout time while reaping better health benefits. That's compared to traditional, like a cardio program. Danish researchers were really surprised when they realized that exercising for a less amount of time still produced greater weight loss. And of course, weight loss is a big issue with a lot of folks without making any planned dietary changes. So what most people you think is uh, the more calories you expend during exercise, the more weight you should lose. But for many, this theory uh, never seemed to hold true. Me too. Sometimes you've done it. You work out, you work out, you're just not losing weight. Patients come to us all the time. Say, Dr. Joe, I work out two, three, four, five times a, a, a week, and yet they're still not losing weight. So they continue to struggle with their weight despite spending several hours in the gym every week. The evidence suggests that there is a type of Goldilocks zone when it comes to exercise. Just right, not too hard, not too soft. Just enough exercise boosts your overall energy. It spurs you to do more activity during non-exercise hours, which is really important. And so you want to do things like take the stairs. You want to get out of your office chair and walk around more frequently. You want to walk longer distances. One of the tricks I teach my patients, and I do it too, is drink a lot of water. When you drink a lot of water, you got to go pee. But I don't want you to use the bathroom right next door. I want you to go up and walk around. If you're in an office building, walk, get that exercise, take the stairs, and that's going to be a good excuse to get out of your chair. Because if you're like me, sometimes when you're on a project, you don't want to get up and move. You got to finish this project. This is going to be a little motivation for you. Too much exercise might actually lead to increasing sedentary lifestyle outside of the exercise hours, most likely due to a combination of exhaustion, how many people are just wiped out, and inadvertently eating or snacking more to compensate for your high calorie expenditure. That's still too little or none will obviously not do you any good either. So we got to find that right spot there. So in, the in one study, mildly overweight men who exercised at a moderate pace for 30 minutes until they burned about 300 calories experienced a boost in energy and overall activity levels, but did not increase their food intake. Again, a little bit of exercise, they didn't increase their food intake. Obese women who exercised at a moderate or intense pace for about 45 minutes in the morning also found they were more energetic and they had uh, more activity during non-exercise hours and did not subsequently increase their food intake either. The men who spent, sweated out, they spent 60 minutes in the gym instead of 30. They did, they did not increase their overactivity levels during non-exercise hours. So that was their workout time. And they ended up eating more. So the folks we did the studies on that ate less had more activity when they weren't exercising and ate less. These folks who did 60 minutes 
didn't exercise more or non-exercise hours and ended up eating more food. So New York Times, this was reported. Uh, men who exercised the most during the, during the workout of 60 minutes a day had managed to drop a little bit of flab, uh, losing an average of about five pounds each. But the scientists calculated that that weight loss, while by no means was negligible, was still about 20% less than would have been expected given the number of calories the men were expending every day during their exercise. So if food intake and other aspects of your life are held steady, now we start to have, uh, we can see that the, the, the studies are really clear. Now, meanwhile, volunteers who worked out for only 30 minutes a day uh, did considerably better, shedding about seven pounds each. Half the time, more weight loss. Uh, that's a total that given a small number of calories that they were burning during exercise, you wouldn't think that's what happened, but that's actually what, what the results were. So this re represents a hefty 83% bonus beyond what would have been expected. Wow, less exercise, more weight loss. So you want to find your sweet spot that includes knowing which foods to eat and which foods to avoid. This becomes important too. Now, it's well worth noting that your choice of breakfast food may play a significant role in decreasing or heightening sensations of hunger afterwards. It's not only what you eat, it's also when you eat. So this is going to affect your overall calorie intake for the day. Not to mention how foods can alter your metabolic function. We're going to talk about that too. And either for the benefit or the detriment of your weight loss. Certain foods are better than others. Now, for example, eating carbohydrates for breakfast will inhibit what's called your sympathetic nervous system. Now, if you listen to my shows in the past, I'm a chiropractor. I'm board certified in chiropractic, orthopedics, pain management, double board certified in nutrition. So when patients come to us, we want to address everything. We want to check, address the nervous system, the digestive system, and their diet. There's two types of nerves in your body. One speeds you up called the sympathetic nervous system, and one slows you down called the parasympathetic nervous system. So if you're eating a carbohydrate meal, you're not stimulating the part of the nervous system that speeds you up. And the sympathetic nervous system reduces the fat burning effect. Uh, by doing this, will reduce the fat burning effect of your exercise. Now, instead, it activates the parasympathetic by eating carbohydrates, which promotes storage of fat. Now, the complete opposite of what you're aiming for. So if you're working out and eating carbs beforehand, which they tell you, carb load, carb load, not true. You want to avoid fructose and all other grains and other carbohydrates, and it's critical, that's a critical element of a successful weight loss strategy. Now, this includes sports and energy drinks, fruit juices, even if they're freshly squeezed. Because what happens is if I take fruit and juice it, I don't have the fiber. So if I eat an apple, it's going to have a different effect on my body than if I squeeze that apple and drank the juice. Because the fiber in the apple slows down the digestive system. It slowly pushes the sugar through the colon, and you get a slow release of energy. Also, the fiber can block up your sugar receptor sites. So you're going to absorb less sugar, same amount, but you're going to absorb less, and it's going to push it through, give you a slow release. It's going to slow down that digestion. If you consume fructose within two hours after exercise, you effectively negate this highly beneficial effect. So fructose is a type of sugar. Where's fructose found? Things like high fructose corn syrup. Where do we find high fructose corn syrup? everywhere. You read the ingredients, it's over 6,000 products, I think we're using it now. So if you're using high fructose corn syrup or even a lot of these sports drinks that have high fructose in it, you're basically wiping out all the benefits. Now, if you don't pay attention to your diet, you may be wasting an awful lot of time in the gym. So a high sugar meal after a workout or even a recovery drink, which contains sugar after the workout, it's going to stop the benefits of the exercise-induced uh, human growth hormone. Human growth hormone is a chemical that's released in your body to build muscle mass. So children have a lot of human growth hormone. 
As we get older, our human growth hormone levels drop. Exercise stimulates human growth hormone. But then you work out and drink something sweet or eat something sweet or sugary, slows down the production of it almost altogether. Now, you can work out for hours, then eat a high-sugar candy bar or a high-sugar energy drink, and this is going to shut down the synergistic benefits of the uh, human growth hormone. Now, if you miss reaching the, uh, the uh, human growth hormone release during your workout, you're still going to receive the calorie-burning benefit from the workout. So either way, you're benefiting. However, if you miss the human growth hormone synergy bonus of enhanced fat burning for two hours after your workout, you've kind of wasted your time. This is an extremely important fact to remember if you want to cut body fat and shed a few pounds. So if we put it in English, nothing sweet for up to two hours after your workout. And this is what drives me nuts. I see these people working out at the gym and they're chugging these, these energy drinks with sugar in it or high fructose corn syrup in it, or even worse, artificial sweeteners. So you know what? Just wasted your time. Research has demonstrated that carbohydrates are burned during exercise in direct proportion to the intensity of the training. Fat burning is also correlated with intensity. However, the actual fat burning takes place after the workout during the recovery. That this, that this makes what we call the synergy window of two-hour period after your workout. Very important to maximize your human growth hormone once it's released during your exercise. Another study in the Journal of Applied Physiology showed, showed that eating a low-carbohydrate meal after aerobic exercise enhances your insulin sensitivity. This is, of course, highly beneficial since impaired insulin sensitivity, your cells are not utilizing insulin or insulin resistance, which we call type 2 diabetes, is the underlying cause of type 2 diabetes and a significant risk factor for other chronic diseases such as heart disease. We did a show not long ago on type 2 diabetes. If you go to my website, drjoe.com, and just type in the search bar diabetes, you can listen to shows we talk about insulin resistance and when the cells don't want to receive insulin because insulin opens up the cells and allows sugar to come in. If you eat too much sugar, you produce a lot of insulin. The cells can't take any more insulin, so it doesn't let the insulin open it up and let the sugar in. You become insulin resistant or type 2 diabetic. So if you're working out, that's great. The cells become more sensitive to insulin, but eating something sweet or drinking something sweet up to two hours after you work out, wasted. So exercise is very effective in enhancing insulin sensitivity. The type of food you eat plays a significant supporting role. Eat a high sugar meal after your exercise is not going to allow you to reap all the benefits from your workout, regardless of what type of exercise you engage in. So optimizing your health and your weight involves a number of factors, and all of them need to be given appropriate consideration. Poor diet with a strenuous exercise regime is going to leave you very disappointed, just as a healthy diet with improper or no exercise is going to leave you disappointed. So it's worth noting that about 80% of the health benefits you get from healthy lifestyle come from your diet. Let me say that again. 80% of the healthy lifestyle benefits you get come from your diet. 20% is derived from exercise. But that's an important 20%. It's all about the synergy. So you could, if you're eating right, that's the most important thing, but you need to have the exercise as well. There's a fun fact. Exercising on an empty stomach can prevent and treat diabetes. One of three, one of three North Americans will become diabetic because of what they eat because of a high calorie, high-fat diet that blocks the insulin receptors from, and prevents cells from responding to insulin. So one in three Americans are going to become diabetic. We've done the shows before. Again, it's on the website, drjoe.com. Listen to that if you want to learn more about diabetes. But the high insulin levels, they can constrict the coronary arteries so the arteries close off, causing things like heart attacks. 
Failure to respond to insulin leads to high blood sugar levels that in turn cause sugar to stick to the cell membranes and permanently damage the affected cells. And it can lead to things like blindness, heart attacks, strokes, amputation, all of those terrible side effects of diabetes. Do you ever wonder why diabetics go blind, why they need amputations? Because the sugar, it's sticking, it's sticking to the cells. And it's easy to fix by changing your diet in most cases. After just a few days on a high-calorie, high-fat diet, cells fail to respond adequately to insulin, blood sugar levels rise, fat deposits in your body, even in your muscles, and you gain weight. This causes your muscles to start lose their ability to store something called glycogen. So what happens is when you eat sugar, I'm going to eat a package of table sugar. 50% of that is fructose, 50% of that is glucose. The glucose goes into my cells and I use it as fuel. That's great. The fructose has to be converted into glucose. And in the process, the body it, it occurs in the liver, the process, we start producing uric acid. Now, uric acid gets in your joints and it hurts. Now, my team of doctors are pain experts. We're chiropractors and pain experts. So people come to us from all over the world for pain management. And in most cases, we get amazing results with pain. The bone is out of place, pinching the nerve. We put the bone back in place. That helps tremendously. But if you're eating a lot of fructose, converting it into uric acid, it gets in your joints and it irritates the joints. It's like little crystals or little knives sticking into the joints. That's uric acid buildup. A lot of people know it as gout, but uric acid can get in all the joints. That's why every patient that comes to see us, we work on their diet along with chiropractic care. Because if we can give you the best chiropractic care in the world, but if you're putting glucose, fructose into your body to create uric acid, you're not going to get all the results I want or you want. That's not the worst part. Uric acid prevents your body from properly producing nitric oxide. Nitric oxide opens up your blood vessels. So here we're talking about the sugar clogging up the blood vessels. Nitric oxide opens up the blood vessels and allows good flow of blood. But if you're doing a lot of fructose, creating uric acid gets into nitric oxide, preventing nitric oxide production, the blood vessels can't open. So what do we get? Lack of blood flow, high blood pressure could lead to heart attacks, stroke, lack of circulation into the extremities can lead to problems as well, such as amputations. So now we got some real serious issues going on here with the sugar. One of the supplements we have on our website, it's called Dr. Joe's Nitric Oxide Support. Very, very popular. Because when you take it, it opens up the blood vessels. I had somebody just send me an email today and she said, Dr. Joe, I started taking your nitric oxide yesterday. I feel amazing in just one day. Now, it may not happen that quickly for you, but nitric oxide support is amazing to increase circulation to your brain, your muscles, your sex organs, your digestive system. We need circulation. And as we get older, the circulation drops. And so you need to fix that. Cut out the sugars, cut out the breads, cookies, cakes, donuts, and pastas, and the sugars. Take supplements like Dr. Joe's nitric oxide and be amazed what happens. You also might want to consider Dr. Joe's super greens and Dr. Joe's essential source as the minimum amount of nutrients that you need every day. All those are on the website, drjoe.com. Now, a major support, a major source of efficient fuel for exercise is the glucose. And you tire much easily during exercise if you don't have it right. If you exercise before breakfast, you can reduce or even prevent the side effects. So here's the kicker. This is that fun fact. Exercising before breakfast works very, very well. Exercise after fasting, that's why it's called breakfast, break fast. You break your fast. So exercising at, before, after a fast prevents fat from depositing in your muscles and helps the muscles uh, make more stored sugar called glycogen. So she used the sugar. Once all the cells are filled up with sugar, it converts into glycogen, which is used as an energy source. It's a reserve tank. If the glycogen stores are filled up, you keep eating sugar, 
it converts into triglycerides, which then gets stored as fat. This is why carbohydrates make you fat. Use the glucose, all filled up, converts into glycogen. Glycogen stores are filled up, converts into triglycerides. Triglycerides get stored as fat, you get fat. So it's tough because I like sugar. You like sugar. Stimulates the dopamine receptor sites in my brain. And dopamine receptor sites are stimulated, I get high. I like that. We all like that. But you need to break the habit. And that's why it takes about three or four days of not eating sugar to get over those crazy cravings. Now, there's a supplement I also recommend called Gymnema. And Gymnema, we have it at our office. It's not on a website, but if you call the office, we have it. And Gymnema will stabilize your blood sugar and help with those sugar cravings. It's amazing how well it works. So primary fuel for exercise, glucose. Study from uh, Belgium shows that uh, shows for the first time that fasting, fasted training is more potent than feeding, uh, than fed, to, uh, to helping food uh, facilitate uh, in the body, and it can facilitate uh, adaptations in the muscles and improve whole body glucose tolerance and insulin sensitivity. So once again, we've done studies now, working out on an empty stomach is the best you can do, especially if you're diabetic. So if you're able to exercise longer and harder, and if you do not exercise during this period, you gain none of these benefits. If you exercise after eating, these benefits are reduced markedly. When you exercise after fasting, you burn primarily your own body fat for energy. And the fat is removed from uh, fat cells and from muscle tissues. So again, exercising on an empty stomach, you're gonna burn fat more efficiently. Muscle enzymes burn fat more effectively and, and clear further fat from your muscles and fat cells to make your cells more sensitive to insulin. So you exercise an empty stomach, you're burning more fat, and your cells are gonna be more receptive to insulin, because again, insulin resistance is what we call type two diabetes. However, fasting before exercise harms training and competitive performance of athletes. So if you're competing, this may not be the best approach for you. The limiting factor on how fast you can move your muscles is the time it takes to move oxygen into the muscles. When you fast before exercising, you burn more fat and less sugar, and since sugar requires less oxygen than fat, it can be converted into energy. So your needs for oxygen are greater uh, to, to burn the fat. This slows down and you tire easily. Okay, let's, let's go over that again. So if you're, if you're competing, it may not be the best thing to do this before a workout. But if you're working out to burn fat, to build muscle, you probably want to fast uh, before you go into those, th those times. So it'll tire you much more quicker if you can do that. So now let's talk about some other things you might be doing wrong while you're exercising. We've got a lot, lot to cover here. So some things you might be doing wrong while exercising. Exercise can increase your risk of heart disease, cancer, and depression, and, and it can increase your energy, decrease, I'm sorry, decrease your risk and increase your energy levels. So those are all good things. I want you, it, it'll help you think clearer, which is good because we're talking a lot today. You might want to have to process this again. Now, I cover a lot on the shows. If you miss something, go to my website, drjoe.com. This show is on the website and you can listen to it over and over again and share it with your friends because you may know somebody who's going to benefit from this, just send them the link. I'm more than happy to share that with you. Exercise can slow down the aging process when done right. Too much exercise is not a good idea. I had a friend of mine, a gal friend, and she would work out. She was a marathon runner. And sometimes like on a Tuesday, she'd run 20 miles. And what happened was she was very pretty. She had really nice skin. And then I didn't see her for a couple of years. The next time I saw her, she was all wrinkly. I mean, she looked like an old lady. She was working out too much. So once again, you got to find that Goldilocks zone. There are some pitfalls that can hamper your workout progress uh, and your setbacks may be due to certain bad habits. So these are things you might be doing wrong. First thing you may be doing wrong while exercises, skipping the warm up. 
Now, while you can get away with skipping the warm-up when you're doing low to moderate impact workout, not warming up can easily lead to injury when you're doing high-intensity interval training exercises, especially sprinting. Let me explain to you what high-intensity interval training is. We're going to cover this as a great way to work out to shorten your time and get better benefits. Uh, we used to call it PK. Now it's called high-intensity interval training. I don't know why somebody changed the name. So what you do is you warm up for, I don't know, 30 seconds, uh, three minutes maybe. Just a gentle jog or whatever it is. And then whatever exercise you're going to do, if you're lifting weights, if you're jogging, if you're on an elliptical, I want you to go as hard as you can for 20 to 30 seconds. That's hard. Trust me on this. So well, let's say I'm on, on an elliptical. I'm going to go back and forth on my elliptical. Okay, great. Then I'm going to do 30, 20 to 30 seconds as hard as I can. And then I'm going to slow down for two minutes. Then I'm going to go as hard as I can for 30, 20 to 30 seconds and slow down for two minutes. Do that eight times. You're going to get a better workout with less stress on the joints and better physiological effects. So high-intensity interval training is the new form of workout that's working much better than these long, drawn-out exercises. Uh, John Paul Cantazaro, nice Italian boy, he's a certified kinesiologist and exercise physiologist. He says it takes 10 to 15 seconds of muscular contraction to raise your body temperature by one degree centigrade. And a proper warm-up should raise your body temperature by about one to two degrees centigrade. <clears throat> but here are a few examples of simple movements that you can do to get the blood flowing. You start slow and shallow and gradually increase your speed and range uh, with repetition. Five to 10 reps per movement are all you really need. Do a squat, do a side bend, do a trunk twist, do an arm uh, circles, uh, shoulder shrugs, stretch, shoulder shrugs. I'm sorry, stretching can be, can be avoided prior to strength training, noting that the passive stretches may impair strength by causing joint instability. Now, when you're doing high intensity sprinting, like things like uh, sprinting or like we talked about, high intensity interval training, prior stretching is imperative and should not be skipped. So if I'm just working out, moving muscles, like, you know, with weights, you could probably get away with it. But if you're going to be doing a high intensity training, you definitely want to get that circulation going. Now, one way to boost your fitness results is to work out while fasting, which we talked about. When you exercise in a fasted state, it's essentially forcing your body to burn fat or shed fat. And your body's burning, uh, fat burning processes are controlled by what we call the sympathetic nervous system. Remember sympathetics and parasympathetics? Sympathetic speeds you up. Your sympathetic nervous system is activated by exercise and lack of food. So now we got a double whammy going on here when you, when you work out when, when you're fasting. Intermittent fasting calls for you to exercise in late morning or early afternoon and fasting, not only eating, uh, not, or eating only light raw foods like vegetable juices or vegetables until 30 minutes after your workout. So once again, don't, don't eat anything before your workout if you can, and then you want to fast up to 30 minutes afterwards. If you have trouble exercising on an empty stomach, some people have that. You can include some high protein foods like chickpeas, hummus, uh, hemp, pea, or chia seeds. Uh, protein powders are good. Use some unsweetened coconut milk. Once again, I'm trying to get you off the sugars, so a high-protein food might work. That being said, it's important to remember that whether you're fasting or not, you do not need to eat something after exercising. i got to get this in your head. Stop eating after working out for two hours. It's particularly important if you're doing strength training, in which case you need to eat a, fa a fast assimilating protein within 30 minutes after you work out. So strength training is a little different than, than what we're talking about regular workout. Fast assimilating proteins, what would be what? Chia seeds, hemp seeds, pea, pea proteins. Again, I'm, I'm plant-based, so I'd recommend plant-based. A lot of people who work out will take Dr. Joe's nitric oxide before their workout, and then they'll take Dr. Joe's super greens and Dr. Joe's essential source after their workout. It's going to give you the nutrients, but it's not going to give you the sugar. 
It's the minimum supplements you should be taking every single day. Dr. Joe's Super Greens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. If you're not taking those folks, you're really shortchanging yourself. Whether you work out or not, you're shortchanging yourself in life because your body needs nutrients in order to function properly. That's why I created Super Greens and Essential Source. Mix it with some water, mix it with some unsweetened coconut milk at least once a day. I couldn't imagine a day without that. So Super Greens and Essential Source is great. If you're doing heavy weight training, you can do a protein after that. Other than that, you want to skip for two hours after your uh, workout if you can. Now, again, if you have trouble working out on an empty stomach, try this before the workout as well. But I'm begging you, you got to cut out those carbohydrates. And here's the thing with exercise. If you're working out and you have an injury, if you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, numbness, tingling, uh, muscle weakness, you probably have pinched nerves. And if you're working out with pinched nerves or bones out of place, you're making the problem worse. You're building up strong muscles around crooked bones. I want you building up strong muscles around straight bones. And this is where chiropractic comes in, and that's why so most athletes, I don't know of any professional athletes, that don't have their own chiropractor. I've worked with the U.S. Olympic team, the Cuban Olympic team, a Wimbledon champions, professional amateurs. So if you have a bone out of place, if you have pain, don't work through the pain, fix the cause. Otherwise, you're going to cause more damage. And ultimately, if bones are out of place, they rub up against each other and they wear out. And we call that arthritis. And a lot of professional athletes come to me after their careers are over. They have arthritis. I say, you know why you have it? They say, no. I said, bones were out of place and you kept working out. So don't hurt yourself. Get the best workout you can by lining all the bones up, getting the right diet, and getting all you can the right nutrients, things like super greens and essential source. We want to help get you well and keep you well. I'm Dr. Joe Esposito. The website again, drjoe.com. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on the WSB Radio app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.